Welcome to Mastering Midlife with Heidi. I'm Heidi, certified hypnotist and mindset coach, and in this podcast, I'm breaking down my secret code for midlife success. Are you trying to overcome people-pleasing behaviors, navigating divorce, living in debilitating self-doubt, or something else keeping you stuck? You're in the right place. I know that you're ready to get to the next level of your life feeling happy and fulfilled, so let's get started. Hey there, and welcome to episode eight of Mastering Midlife with Heidi. I'm so happy you're here. This is the second half of a two-part series on what's stressing you out. If you haven't listened to episode seven yet, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to it because these two episodes tie together. In the two episodes, I reveal nine behaviors that all add to your stress bucket. Episode seven had hidden stressors one through four, and I hit you with a biggie right up front with number one. Did you hear it? Don't miss it if you didn't. In this episode, number eight, I'll be sharing five more behaviors you could be doing that are adding so much stress to your life. If you're ready to stop the stress addiction, yes, it really does become an addiction. If you're ready to stop the addiction so you can feel calm and relaxed, restore your natural state of health, sleep like a baby, and start manifesting all your dreams, then this episode is for you. Keep listening. Do you frequently feel like you're living in survival mode, barely getting through the day, numbing out on food, alcohol, binge-watching Netflix, saying you'll do better tomorrow, but then tomorrow comes and you feel the same foggy, defeated feeling you felt yesterday? Is this you? I get it. I feel you. I've been there. Stress is a sneaky bastard, and the problem is you may be addressing the obvious things that are stressing you out, but you're acting in other ways that you have no idea are adding to your stress, creating this vicious cycle of trying to willpower your way through another day. Our bodies are equipped to handle a certain amount of acute stress, But it's like we carry around this bucket and we just keep adding more and more stress into it. And then the bucket gets heavier and heavier, but it feels like it's attached to us, like it's an appendage, and so we can't put it down. It becomes a part of who we are. Part of our identity is to feel this constant tension, worry, and anxiety. I have clients I work with who don't remember a time in their life when they were calm and relaxed. They don't know themselves to be any different than anxious, overwhelmed, and stressed. They don't know life to not be hard and a struggle, but it doesn't have to be that way. In December last year, I did a challenge in my private Facebook group, and the link to join the group is in the description. The challenge was called the 12 Days of Stressmas, and time and time again, participants commented that what I was saying in the stress topics I was covering felt like I was talking directly to them, that I was reading their mind and somehow privy to their personal life, but it's only because I've been there. I've lived that addicted-to-stress life, and I now know What was contributing to the stress so much more than the obvious things? And I'm revealing five of those hidden things in this episode. The other four are in episode seven. 
You ready? Let's dive into some hidden stuff that's stressing you out. Hidden stressor number five is busyness. In today's world, being busy is seen as trophy-worthy. In fact, how many times have you met up with a friend and you ask, how are you? And their response is, I'm so busy. Or maybe it's the other way around. They ask you and you have the same response. I'm so busy. We think this is a good thing. This busyness and being productive and the feelings that come with it have become basically the norm for us and a habit. And when you don't take time to relax, the busyness can really impact your emotional and physical health. It actually puts your body and brain in a state of stress to be continually on the go, 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 to be always thinking about things and ruminating and actually physically having to stay busy. Both your body and brain need time to regenerate, to rejuvenate, to relax. And when you don't give it that, your brain senses you're in danger and puts you in fight or flight, pumping out cortisol hormone into your body. Even when nothing is wrong, you're not in danger and you're not being chased. And all of this extra cortisol that isn't needed in your body because there is no real danger, now it's in excess in your body. And guess what? It promotes the storage of fat. Ladies, are you having trouble with weight gain, especially around your midsection? That stress state you're in from do, 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 go, go, go is very likely the cause. High cortisol levels can also lead to a range of other health issues, including anxiety, depression, sleep disturbances, and immune system problems. So if you're sleeping plenty of hours but still waking up fatigued, or you're gaining weight, especially around the middle, or you're feeling anxious, overwhelmed, or more easily distracted, look at the time that you're in doing mode versus relaxation mode. All right, hidden stressor number six is not asking for help. And this goes a little bit along with stressor number five, right? As women especially, we've learned to put others' needs first, to manage everything, and to keep everyone happy. We're the caregivers, the nurturers, and that gives us the silent message that we shouldn't need help ourselves. And many of us also have fears about asking for help. The fear of being judged for asking. The fear of looking weak if we ask for help. A fear of not being good enough. Or a fear of not being needed or wanted. So do you do this? When someone asks if you want help, you go, oh, no, 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 I got it, I got it, and you put them off. You refuse their help. But later, if you ask them if they need help and they do the same thing, oh, no, 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 I got it, I don't need help, how do you feel? It doesn't feel great, right, to not have your help accepted. So think about it on the other end. They're feeling what you're feeling when your help is rejected. They feel rejected when you don't allow them to help you. And think about why it is that you're not allowing them to help. Is it because you have this feeling that you can do it better or that it won't get done right? With that, I would ask, do you want to be right 
or do you want to be happy? Brene Brown says, until we can actually receive with an open heart, we're not actually giving with an open heart. Ouch, that kind of hurts, right? When we think about it that way. And then she goes on to say, when we attach judgment to receiving help, we are knowingly or unknowingly attaching judgment to giving help. Have you ever gotten so frazzled when there's so much to do and you just keep doing, 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 pushing through that you actually get burnout and get sick? That's one of the fallouts for not asking for help. And so we need to go inside and look at why is it that I'm not asking for help? Is it because of a fear I have of being judged as not good enough or maybe perceived as weak? Really look at why is it that I'm not asking for help or why is it I'm refusing help if someone offers? I just want you to think about how often do you not ask for help or actually refuse someone when they ask you if they can help you? In the end, if you're so busy doing things for others and not asking for help so that you can take some time for yourself, your cup is not going to be even close to full. And that's the only way we can truly be in connection with others when our cup is full so that what they bring to our lives actually overflows our cup. We're not expecting others to fill our cup, or we shouldn't be. That's our own responsibility, but it's also our responsibility to ask for help so that you can take the time you need for yourself. We'll be back in 60 seconds after a word from our sponsors. Oh, wait, that's me. Stay tuned for the rest of the Hidden Stressors because the best one, I saved it for the last. Are you struggling with feeling constantly stressed out and overwhelmed? Do you have difficulty finding time to relax, and when you do find time, then you can't sit still? If so, join my new Mastering Stress workshop on April 20th so that you can break free from your stress addiction. Yes, it is an addiction. As your workshop presenter, I'll guide you through the latest techniques for stress management and teach you how to retrain your brain to respond to stress in healthier ways. You'll gain an understanding of how your magnificent mind is doing its job of keeping you safe and at the same time keeping you stuck in this cycle of stress. You'll gain practical tools and strategies that you can implement immediately so that you can reduce stress, improve your mood, and feel more energized and productive. Stop letting stress control your life. Register for Mastering Stress today. The link is in the episode description. A replay will be available for all who register. Now back to the episode. Okay, welcome back. And here is hidden stressor number seven, and that is control. Melody Beatty, the author of many books on codependency and people-pleasing and not being able to say no and all that kind of good stuff, says that when we attempt to control people and things that we have no business controlling, we are controlled. We forfeit our power to think, feel, and act in accordance with our own best interests. One of my mentors says control is an illusion. When you get into control, you are being controlled by an illusion. So this hidden stressor is about control and our need to control the outcome of things. 
to control the way things go. And I want to tell you a personal story. A few years ago, when I discovered how much of a people pleaser I was and how detrimental that was to my life, I started seeing a therapist and I started going to Codependence Anonymous and I was doing a lot of the things to try and heal this behavior in me. I recognized a pattern in myself of covering up for other people. So when they hurt me or did something that I needed support in getting through, I wouldn't go to people and tell them. I would just cover up for that person. And my therapist asked me, what makes you think you need to cover up for them? That really sent me on a search for why I did that, because I couldn't answer her question, and I'd never realized that before. It came to me that I'd always considered myself a very nice person, really kind, and I didn't associate kind and nice with being controlling. In fact, I would say that I was the opposite of controlling. But what I discovered was that by covering up for the other person— By not telling anyone, by not seeking help, I was actually controlling the situation because as long as I didn't tell on them that I didn't seek help, I didn't out them in any way, then I could predict what the future held for me. Even though it would be the same yucky future, I knew what it would be, so I had the certainty of what was to come as long as I didn't out them. And that was a controlling behavior. Because what happens is we get into this fear of uncertainty, right? Everybody wants to know what's going to happen. We feel safer when we know. So we control the situation. We control by, in my case, not seeking help, not outing the person, not even having a conversation with the person about what they had done because I wouldn't know how they would react. So... That is controlling. Control in this way can be a learned behavior. It can be seeking perfection. And again, it can be the fear of uncertainty. In what areas of your life do you try to control things? Even down to, is the dishwasher getting emptied? If someone in your family is assigned to emptying the dishwasher when it's clean, are you controlling that situation? And what I would say about that is, again, control is just an illusion. It's just us thinking that we are creating certainty in our life, but really nothing is certain. And when it comes to the dishwasher, pull dishes from it and use them if it hasn't been emptied yet. Trying to control everything in our lives adds so much stress. All right, hidden stressor number eight. Saying yes when you want to say no. How many of you have done this? Say yes when you really want to say no. Why do we do that? There are a few reasons I can think of right offhand that I've done in the past, and that is to be liked, to fit in, to not rock the boat, to not upset someone. One of the biggest reasons that I can think of that we say yes when we really want to say no is to avoid the guilt that we might feel for saying no. But when we say yes to someone, we're actually saying no to ourselves. And when we say no to ourselves enough times, we start to build up this resentment for the other person, or we get frustrated or angry about just life because we're not saying yes to ourselves. 
we're actually putting ourselves again on the back burner. So when we're frustrated or angry about something, often it's because a need is not being met. But many times we haven't even communicated the need. And boundaries are a great way to communicate our needs. Saying things like, this works for me or this doesn't work for me, communicates what you need to happen or not happen. And that's setting a boundary. Pretty simple, right? So my clients don't like it when I tell them this. But when we say yes, and we really want to say no, we are being manipulative. Essentially, we're lying. You're saying yes to avoid a reaction or to get the other person to behave in a certain way or to avoid certain feelings in yourself. And that's manipulative. Growing up, being good, being nice, getting along, being taught that it's selfish even to say no or to put yourself first, it leaves us with this difficult task of now as adults setting boundaries because it feels like they're mean or that we're hurting someone's feelings or that they won't like us because we're trying to control them. It's not about them. It goes back to what's okay with me? What am I okay with? What am I not okay with? That's a very simple way to start setting boundaries. Am I okay with this or am I not okay with this? And then speak that. I know that as a people pleaser and a peacekeeper that it's hard to say no sometimes, but let's go back to the original scenario of saying yes when you really want to say no. What's worse than thinking about saying no in that situation is having to go back and tell them no after you've already said yes. Talk about stressful. Okay, hidden stressor number nine is what comes out when you get squeezed? Wait, what? Can we all agree that when we squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out, right? The same thing for a grapefruit or a lemon, grapefruit juice, lemon juice. That's what's going to come out. And the question is, why is that? And that's a silly question, right? It's because that's what's inside. That's the only option. There can't be anything else that comes out. But what's squeezing an orange juice have to do with stress? Let me tell you. In this episode and the last one, we talked about resentments and expectations, disappointments and hurt, frustration from putting yourself last, and all the feelings that come along with the years of doing that. And maybe some of those you actually are recognizing that you haven't resolved yet, and you're holding on to them. The problem with that is how it can build up inside of us. When you get squeezed, triggered, your buttons pushed, your string pulled, whatever you want to call it, at work or family, friends, the president, etc., it doesn't matter who it is, when you get your buttons pushed, when you get squeezed, what comes out? If you haven't healed your resentments, your disappointments, the anxiety, the bitterness, then that's what's going to come out when you get squeezed. And I'm speaking from experience. I get it. I've been there and I went to work on healing all of this in me, but there are still times, right, that I have to check myself. But I played the victim for many years, and it caused me a lot of unhappiness, anger, anxiety, health issues, and lost relationships. So when I would get squeezed, that's what would come out. 
is what I was holding on to. The first hidden cause of stress I shared in the last episode, episode seven, is how we are meaning-making machines. So when we have something in our life that happens, if we make this meaning about it and then build up resentment about it and don't get that resolved and taken care of, then when you get squeezed, that resentment is going to come out. Again, there's no other choice. There's a saying that hurt people hurt people. Now, I know that you're not doing it intentionally, but that's just the way it is because that's what's inside. It's the only option. If it doesn't come out, that means you're holding it inside and letting it build up. And then what's going to result from that? A huge explosion. So which hidden stressor resonated with you the most? I'd love to know. If this is the first episode you've listened to of Mastering Midlife with Heidi, maybe you don't know that I'm a life coach and I help women resolve these kinds of things. I guide you to heal the things that you're holding on to so that when you get triggered, you can just respond accordingly, not react and hurt another person in the interaction. I do that by teaching you tools and techniques that will help you heal your resentments, help you heal your disappointments and hurt. Deal with your anger and anxiety in a better, more healthy way. Because these emotions are normal. I don't want you to get rid of them. We just need to deal with them in an appropriate, healthy way where we're not spilling them out onto other people when we get squeezed. If you find yourself reacting to things in your life in a way that makes you feel horrible about yourself, or you're feeling stuck, and you've tried to change your behaviors maybe over and over and over again, coaching with my methodology is your fast track to change. In just five to eight sessions, my clients are seeing massive results, and results that are long-lasting. If you'd like to know more about what coaching with me looks like, shoot me an email. I'll put my email address in the episode description, or you can DM me on Instagram at Mastering Midlife with Heidi. You are not meant to live in a state of chaos, overwhelm, and fear, but it's up to you to take a step towards something better. Reach out. I'll guide you to that place. And as I say in most of my episodes, connection is one of my top five values, so I'd love to connect with you further. Reach out and say hi, follow me on Instagram, or request to join my private Facebook community, Mastering Midlife with Heidi. If you got value from this episode and know someone would get value too, I'd love for you to share it with your family and friends. Because when we grow and expand and help others do the same, the world becomes a better place. And until the next episode, remember to give yourself grace for the place that you're in. Talk to you soon. Thank you for spending time with me today. To continue on your journey of mastering midlife, click the link in the description to download my free guide, 20 Ways to Say No Without Feeling Guilty. See you in the next episode.